This is episode 20 of the Nasby Panora Podcast, produced by STEM Media. Let's go. to the Nesbypreneur Podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Nehemiah Mabry. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us again here on the Nesby Panora Podcast. I'm so excited to come to you again with another great episode. And I have a very, very interesting guest today. Her name is Alex Merritt. Alex, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I am fantastic. I am sure, listeners, you will enjoy this episode. Alex Merritt is the creator and host of Dessert and Discussion. It is an engaging, unscripted discussion between men and women about love, sex, and relationships. She is affectionately known as the Love Engineer and has received her bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering at the Missouri University of Science and Technology. In 2010, Missouri S&T and the Sacramento Observer named her one of 30 future leaders under 30. As someone who is passionate about developing healthy relationships, Ms. Merritt is on a mission to transform the quality of relationships between men and women, one discussion at a time. And you know, Alex, this alone, just I'm sure people are listening, like the love engineer, they're really interested to hear your story and your business and what you what you do with that. But one of the things we start off our interviews with is, of course, a random fact about yourself. So without going the route that this interview is obviously going to take, can you give us another unexpected, just fun fact about yourself? Random fun fact about myself. There's there's probably a lot of them if you poll my friends, but one of the ones that I am fond of and I think are, is funny is I can say the alphabet as fast backwards as I can forward. <laughs> so did you practice that like when you were a kid or like yeah, it's what, you know, one knows, you know, sometimes I'm alone in my room, stare at the wall and then start wondering, could I say the alphabet backwards? And I must have been like in high school or something. And I was like, I wonder, can you say the alphabet backwards? And so I started to practice again. There was no place to go, nothing to do and figured out you actually can. I actually could figure it out. So anyway, so it was one of those random days. Go ahead and hit it real quick. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, you want me to hit it real quick. As after I put it out there like that, let's see: Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J I H G F E D C B A. There you go. There's no song with it though. I was trying to figure out if I could make up a song like you know with the regular version, but I've not got. I've moved on to bigger and better things in my life. Hey, I'm I'm, I'm sure that's a viral video waiting to happen. So <laughs> once you <laughs> once you decide to put that to a tune, um, let me know so I can get on it too. Exactly. That's really cool. And uh, we want to hear a lot more about your business, the love engineer, but yet you are actually an engineer. How did you get into, let's say, the, you know, the technical side? The, how did your academic background come about? You know, mechanical engineering was your degree. How did you get into that? You know, it's it's funny. I have a really, really, really good friend who we were in high school together. And it was one of those 
you know, like walking across campus, what are you going to be when you grow up kind of stories is how I ended up as an as an engineer. So unlike many traditional who, you know, have the story of they were great at math and science and they used to take apart things they could put them back together. When I was growing up, if I took things apart, they kind of stayed apart. And so I was really discouraged about doing that growing up. But my girlfriend, we were walking across campus one day at high school and I asked her, I was like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And And she said, a chemical engineer. And at that point, I was looking for what I was going to be because I had decided I would no longer be a corporate attorney, which is where I thought my path would take me. And she said, chemical engineer. And I was like, me too. And that literally was my response to her because I figured if she could be a chemical engineer, I could too. Ironically, I had no idea what they did. I didn't know what that meant, but I just figured if she was going to be a chemical engineer, it sounded pretty cool that I would be too. And so I set out from that point forward telling people that I would be a chemical engineer. And so that's how my engineering journey started. So I told my counselor, so before that, I told my counselor I was going to be an engineer and and my grades were, you know, really good. So nobody was like, are you kidding? So instead she asked me, did I know about a scholarship that I had not heard of? And so I'm an Emerson scholar, which basically gave me a full ride to engineering school. So that was a total blessing. Yeah. So I started off in chemical engineering, got to chemistry and realized they were like talking about atoms bumping into each other in the air. And I was like, yeah, I'm not buying this. And I went into my advisor. I was like, is there something that's more tangible that I can see and touch. And so and she's like, have you thought about mechanical? And that met my needs of being able to see it, gears, motors, got it. And so that's how I ended up in mechanical engineering. Wow. You know, that's funny. I've never heard anyone say it. Like, I went to engineering because my friends said they were going to do it. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. You know, that's basically that's my story. But then you got into chemical and you were like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, I was like, like I don't I was like, I don't understand. We got to like SP3. I was like, yeah, no, I'm out. I'm out. I don't know what this is, but I'm definitely out of this. And so but I knew I was going to stick with engineering because I had started it. And so. So, yeah, so it's funny. We, we joke. My girlfriend and I joke to this day because she actually did go on to be a chemical engineer. And today she works for NASA. But. I was like, do you know what my life would have been like had you said something different that day? And so choose your friends wisely. That's the key part. Right. Choose your friends uh, wisely. We can think of a, a lot of different things that were worse than chemical engineering that you, if you had the wrong friends, <laughs> they could have been. Could, yeah, but that's that's cool. And you went into mechanical engineering. That's a lot more tangible. I'm the same way. You know, there's engineering that you kind of got to conceptualize and there's others that Oh, okay. Physics. I understand. If this hits that, it's going to assert it for us. So that's, that's pretty cool. And so you do mechanical engineering and where do you work at full time? So today I am in sourcing. So I work full time for General Mills, the makers of Cheerios. And so started with them actually at a Nesby conference. I got an internship for General Mills. I was walking through the conference and I was like, why are they here? And asked the recruiter that. So it's another true story about how, you know, sometimes, you know, just being curious will get you get you far, you know, all that studying and preparing and having all these questions, which is really good if you can pull that off. But just like my engineering degree, I ended up with my career and that's in kind of that same fashion. I was like, why are you guys at the career fair? That was my opening question. And she went on to tell me about these programs that they had for engineers. And I was fascinated and got an internship. And here we are. Yeah. Be curious, listeners. I think that's a good lesson to take away. You know, your curiosity could actually lead you into all sorts of knowledge. And so being able to walk with people, ask them what they do, genuinely be curious about other people's stories can lead to a lot of opportunities. I found that in my life, too. So I'm glad you dropped that little nugget in there. So what about your extracurricular activities when you were in school? Like, were you just, uh, you know, always in the books in the library or did you, I know you were in Nesby. What, what were some of the things that you did outside of the classroom? 
You know, so Nesby probably was by far the thing I did outside of the, the classroom. Because, you know, when you're in engineering school, you don't have a whole lot of time for a lot of extra stuff. So if it wasn't aligned with helping me through engineering school, because, uh, I was, again, I wasn't one of those students. I told you how I got into it. So when I got into engineering school and realized how difficult it was, in fact, I studied a lot just to make it, period. But I so Nesby was my heart. So did Nesby. Also, my faith is really, really important to me as well. And so did a lot um was a part of what we called Voices of Inspiration once I got to to the University of Missouri at Rolla is what it was called when I was there. Now it's Missouri S&T. But I started my college career at the St. Louis Community College. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a, so shout out to the community college. Um, as a matter of fact, I was a charter member for the first community college, 1540, which is what Flow Valley's number is. Because before that time, community colleges weren't allowed to be at Nesby, but was a charter member of that. So Nesby's always been my organization of choice. But I studied abroad on the advisory committee for chancellor at once I got to the university as a student rep. I was a student ambassador. So when students would come down to the campus, you know, those people that like walk you around the campus to kind of get you right. to go. I was that girl for a couple semesters and worked in the MEP office. So I did quite a few things on campus as well. But like I said, Nesby was by far my my organization of choice. Got you, got you. And voices of inspiration, like was that a choir? It was a choir. Not and, and be clear, not because I have vocals, but you know, it's one of you know like those churches where everybody if you want to sing, people will let you sing. And it was one of those deals. Right. And so, you can you can hide behind other people that can sing better than you. Exactly. So I was gonna praise the Lord, period. And so that's what we do. So we had a really great group. So the voice of inspiration is a choir, but we also did Bible study. As a matter of fact, I was a devotional coordinator on campus for the organization for a couple semesters for sure. So between faith, again, a lot of praying to get through the classes and then making sure that there were people who could have examples of, you know, black students doing well on campus. Those were that's how I share spent my time outside of study. Faith is really important to me as well. And uh, man, when you go into engineering school, you get real close to God. At least I did. Like you have no idea how I'm like, please, God, if you could just let me get a C in this class. Right. So that became, you know, those were the moments where those were the prayers. But yeah, my faith was was really important for getting through engineering school. All right. So let's talk about dessert and discussion. And, you know, I described a little bit in your bio, but if you can just give us a quick pitch of it and then walk us into how it all started. Like what did this whole idea concept come from? Absolutely. So dessert discussion at the end of the day, it really is my effort to bring men and women together to talk about love, sex and relationships over dessert and drinks. That's really the premise behind it to help us build amazing relationships. One discussion at a time is kind of the the tagline. But before it was dessert and discussion, the organization that, you know, people are, are coming to know and love, it was a conversation on my couch. That's where this started. It started in my condo when I lived in California. And I had watched a DVD and I've always been one who, again, back to this curiosity factor. So there, there's that again. So I'm watching this DVD and it was this guy in California's perspective about, and it's called The Diary of a Tired Black Man. It was circulating around the internet for a few years back when. But anyway, I'm watching it and it was the first time I'd ever seen a guy's perspective on like the dating scene is pretty much what it was. And I was like, I wonder, do my guy friends, because again, one of the privileges of being an engineering graduate is that you have a lot of guy friends, especially if you're a woman in engineering. Probably more than you want sometimes. No, plenty loved it. Plenty of guys around. And so I was like, I wonder 
wonder if people see this the way that this guy sees it. And I wanted to answer that question. And so I was like, how do I get people to come over to my house, watch this DVD with me and let's talk about it. That's really what it came down to. And so dessert and discussion was born because I didn't want to cook hence the word dessert. And so I wanted people to come over to my house after they had dinner somewhere else. I would serve dessert. They come for um, after they've had dinner. So that's how dessert was born. And I didn't want there to be any confusion about why they were coming. I was like, we are coming to have a discussion. This is not a game night. This is not a a house party. This is a discussion. And so I didn't want anybody to be confused. And so that's how dessert and discussion was born, was just because I had a question. It continued though, when I realized that night, what I thought would be a couple hour discussion turned into like five hours. People were in my house at 1 a.m., men and women, and we were in it. And it was like, so when women do this, you mean that? Or when men do this, y'all, you know, so it was just this like epiphany at one epiphany after another, just as we talk about how men and women related from a relationship standpoint, but very high powered professional, you know, up and coming, moving the shakers, but who were just clueless when it came to this relationship space. So what I'm hearing is that like at first it was just something again back to curiosity that you want to do that you want to host you want to have people over and just chat about this thing this DVD that you saw circulating online but when it happened you found out that this wasn't just something that interests you but it was it was a very um ingrained interest and need even if you will that other people had Absolutely After you did it this first time I'm guessing that People were like, oh, that was great. And, and then it's kind of launched into more. How did that how did the follow up in terms of response from other people play out? That's exactly what happened because I was one and done. So I had there was no plan for dessert and discussion to be anything except that one time. And people, the people who were there, you know, again, expressed how much they enjoyed it. But when I would be out after that time, you know how it is. People tell their friends about what they had seen. And so people would see me and are like, oh, when's the next dessert and discussion? And I'm like, hmm. There's no next dessert and discussion. They're like, no, you have to do one. But and because I'm a fan of relationships and relationship development and how it works and why it works, I personally I was personally interested in it because I'm like, how do I make sure I get this right? Quote unquote. Um, I'm like, well, I just read this book. And so anyway, I start doing them quarterly and throwing out topics. And so whether it's can men and women just be friends or, you know, who pays on dates, you know, those kind of topics and stuff that we, you know. That comes up all the way, all the time in the dating and relationship world. And so I would host them and again in my living room and and then it started to get to a point where there were more strangers in my living room than friends. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, it wasn't just your homegirls and your homeboys. It was like, Who are you? Okay, come on. Exactly. People were like, Hi, I'm such and such. Such and such told me about your dessert and discussion. And so yeah. again, it started to grow and I eventually ended up moving it to an art gallery in Sacramento in the their historic Oak Park area. And again, we continued to fill it up quarterly. And when I got ready to leave California in twenty twelve, my friends there encouraged me, like, you have to keep this going. Like this is a need. This isn't like a good just a good idea. It is a need in the world. And so I moved here to Minneapolis and I was like, well, they don't know me. Let me just see mm-hmm. if this actually does transmit or if it's just my California friends who got questions. And sure enough, it stuck. And then now we've been across the country, you know, Brooklyn, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, we've been across the nation and realizing that, again, there is a very real need for men and women to be able to understand each other, break down barriers so that we build great relationships. Got you. So you've traveled across the country and like hosted these like on location and in conjunction with other events, correct? Absolutely. 
It's a movement. That's where we are now. Dessert and discussion is a movement because what I have come to realize and the reason it's become important is that when you think about how much time we spent learning how to be engineers or how to get into college or how to do how to be great professionals, you name it, there is a lot of work available and a lot of people interested in helping you be amazing at your job, at graduating. But when it comes to how we have amazing relationships, Mm -hmm. like we spend no time learning that it's all trial and error. Right. But yet it's one of the most important things you'll do in life. And we like, we just hope you get it right. And most of the time you don't. And so, <laughs> so it is my hope to create an environment where we, where our odds of getting it right. Because sometimes it's just a discussion. It's just perspective, right? And if somebody teaches it to you or you have a place where you can learn it, it's a lot easier than just trial and error. Just imagine how great you'd be at a, as an engineer if you had to do the whole thing by yourself, figuring it out as you went along on your own with no teachers. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have dropped out. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get totally what you're saying. You're right. Like we spend more time studying for our career than we do studying for relationships when oftentimes, not oftentimes, majority of the time, our career and everything outside of that is very dependent upon relationships. Everything in the world is dependent upon relationships. Like that's how the your your quality of life is a direct reflection of your quality of relationships. Mm, that's quotable right there, listeners. I hope you all uh, took that down and tweet that out <laughs> from Alex Merritt herself. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. Here's a question that like, I'm sure someone listening has. And frankly, it's something that came to my mind, like the love engineer, right? Uh-huh. You are academically trained as an engineer, but you have this initiative, this movement about relationships and dessert and discussion. Like what makes you as an engineer, someone who can bring value to this space? I mean, you're not a psychologist. You don't have a background in social work or anything like that. Like what about your background or your unique experiences do you feel kind of uniquely positions you to bring value in relationships? Yeah, no, that's a great, great question. And so as a love and as the love engineer phrase, we completely just coined a friend coined it for me. But nevertheless, what what I think brings complete value and where I get unique perspective is when I am an engineer. So engineers are trained to do what engineers do, which is just solve complex problems. And so when it comes to relationships, like any other thing where it's like there's challenges that exist there. And most of the people who deal in relationships or love, like say they, they have a psychology background or they come from an artistic standpoint, which is fine, but you don't, you don't get an understanding as to like why it works or how it works. And so the way I approach it, and because I understand both it from a, a woman's side and from a guy's side, because my college roommate was a guy, my entire college experience. And so that's the other thing. And he was purely platonic. So I've had a lot of empirical observations, as I'll call them. I, I like it. And, <laughs> and as a result of said empirical observations and my own personal experiences, I'm like, wait a minute, this keeps happening. And so, you know, as an engineer, you just look for like, cause, it's cause and effect. And most people don't ever get to like the why behind it because we get so caught up in the what. And so as an engineer, I can I can talk through and also engage men and women in dialogue, not from an emotional standpoint, but just from a, hey, let's understand it from a how and why it's happening. Because like everything else in the scientific world, because that's how people feel about engineers, like, oh, my God, that's so hard. It's like, well, it's not hard if you understand what's governing it. You know, the sum of the forces have to equal zero, period. If you want it to stay still, that's just the way it works. So very objective, very logical. Do you take this linear thought 
process and apply it to something that is often looked at from a very subjective standpoint. It's like the engineers and scientists who understood like gravity, right? If you don't understand the forces at work because you can't see them, you think it's magic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But mm -hmm, there's a whole study devoted to like, no, if you understand it, I can tell you the speed is moving, all of that stuff. Now, what you drop up to you, but I can give you the principle behind why it's hitting the ground. Uh, Hey, that was deep. I don't know if you just said it on purpose, but you just said something pretty deep. (laughs) What you drop, listeners, is up to you. What you put out there, hey, it's up to you. But if it flops, if it falls, if it hits the ground and doesn't turn out the way that you somehow was hoping that it would magically, (laughs) there is a reason behind it. So, Alex, thanks for dropping that nugget on this. That's another tweet. Thank you for framing that as a nugget. So, I wasn't thinking about it from that. But again, because I'm an engineer, I think like that about everything. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. There again, it's, it's understanding the principles. So, again, this is less about, and I think the other thing that I offer in this space is there are a lot of quote unquote relationship experts. And I, I kind of back down from that term. I don't like the, the wording because, again, as an engineer, you know that it works this time and it, it's repeatable. But if you change any one factor, and the results will be different for you. So while there's a lot of people trying to give, I think, relationship answers. Okay. In engineering school, what we were taught, right, is, you know, understand how to how to solve the problem. Right. It's a solution. A solution that you need to be able to come up with. And and that's the same approach. Again, I think in the 21st century, we have to take the relationships where, again, there are very few like one answer is going to work for all of them. As a matter of fact, I can remember getting like F's on assignments because I got the answer but didn't show the work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the professor's like. How'd you get that answer? It's right. But how'd you get there? And I think when it comes to relationships, especially when you talk about communication, when you talk about support, when you talk about love, all of these factors, you can get an answer where it's like, oh, it worked with Johnny or it worked with Kara or it worked with whomever. And you're like, well, why didn't it work with Kim? It's like, because you didn't understand how you got there. But there are some principles that are at play in all of them, whether it's communication, whether it's honesty, whether it's true. There's just there's just some things at work, just like in engineering, where it's like, ah, and even if you get the wrong answer, if you got the right process, you can at least go back and figure out where you messed it up right. and get to the right answers. And I think that's the same approach that we should be thinking about when we talk about relationships, especially in the 21st century. I'm really thankful that, you know, you decided to be a guest on the show. You just brought a unique perspective to relationships. And, I, and I'm, I'm assuming that all of this and more takes place in your uh, hosted event. With a lot more fun, a lot less technical and formal, but it's a ball. There's a DJ in the backdrop. There's fabulous desserts. And there's a discussion. There's a bunch of people you may or may not know that allows you to, again, to get your questions answered or get some perspective that may help you. And what's amazing about it, and people ask me this all the time because they're like, hey, are you married? I'm like, not yet. But when I get, I'm going to be amazing at it. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> The piece around it's not just for singles because a lot of a lot of people who come to dessert discussion are actually married mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the challenge that we're, you know, because the challenge is between men and women. It's men and women who are trying to figure each other out and how to be in relationship with each other. So whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, not interested, there's just something to learn about the opposite sex that is valuable. Again, whether it's your professional life or your personal life, which are basically the same lives that help you have really good relationships. Okay, so let's transition a bit. And this is the part that, you know, I think a lot of people have trouble with. You know, we hear that you have something going on that's great, really enjoying it, really passionate about people are are engaged in it. But how do you turn it into a business? You know, right now, I understand that, you know, this kind of was first something you were just kind of doing. But now over time, what happens is if you want to take things to the next level, you got to find a way for it to support itself, sustain itself, or else it can become a very expensive hobby. So, Talk about 
some of the ways that you have begun to transition this into an actual uh, business that brings in revenue? Yeah, so you're you're absolutely right. So it started out as just a hobby. And it was a hobby for a very long time because I didn't even think of it as a business. And I think that's probably the other piece. Um, it's one of my favorite speeches that I hear, but it's called Acres of Diamonds. But this idea that within you right now are acres of diamonds, like if you mine them, you know, that could produce beyond your wildest imagination. And so I started looking at dessert and discussion probably about a year ago now as so it started small it started for charging a fee for the event and people happily would pay that then it started to become like hey what could I develop with this knowledge base that I have that truly is adding value and that's helpful and so created a course called the Lovinar. people pay to come to that and then lastly and most recently I shouldn't say lastly but there's more that's come but the war on love game just rolled out you know, so if you don't, because I was like, what about the people who are never going to be able to make it to dessert and discussion? Because dessert and discussion is an intimate setting, and I cap the audience participation. So there's only so many people that can come. But I just rolled out a game, which is going to change the relationship experience and engagement across this globe. Wow. That allows me to women do that. And so the way I started to do was think about, again, where can I add value and what will people pay for? Yeah. In a game, man, that's that's brilliant because... You said at first, when you first did it, you want people to know that this wasn't a game night, right? Right. Because you knew that game night are things that people typically come together for. And so I thought, I think it's a very brilliant idea to say, okay, how can I now take what I have here and put it in a form to where other people can then bring it out and experience it when they come together? That was actually a smart move. And I think that's a, that's a great way to productize, so to speak, what you got going on. So that's exactly, that's the approach. So the War on Love game. It's going to be available here on the website, dessertanddiscussion.com very shortly. But that's the way that I have done it. And so I'm still building it, still in that spot. The other way is recognizing that there are other people who want to partner. And so General Mills has sponsored it. I partnered with the group at when Nesby. So actually, the last Nesby convention, we did it, I think, for the alumni group. There was somebody who was looking to partner like, hey, can you do this portion? Absolutely can. And that was an incredible time in Boston. So the question becomes, how can I serve? What do I offer that adds value to people in a way that's differential and doing what I love? Because that's the other piece is like I tell people, it's like if you're going to create something on your own, you know, there's a lot of people who go to work and they're not like super excited about their jobs. Mm-hmm. If you're going to build a business, if you're going to build anything to offer the market, I think it's important that you do something that you love and that you care about. Right. As opposed to like owning another job. Right. And both are so important. I like that you're saying that, you know, you got to make sure one, you enjoy it. And then two, that is actually bringing value to people because sometimes it can be something that you really enjoy, but no one's going to find you collecting sticks valuable. I mean, not many people or you can find find the market of people who do. Right. Because if you are excited about it, there is somebody else excited about it. There are seven billion people on this earth. So it is hard for there not to be a market. And so you got to kind of find the, the, I guess, where the Venn diagram right there overlaps. Yes. Between the value and you enjoying it. So Yeah, and that's the key. That's a great insight. And so right before we uh, start to come down to a close, this has been a great discussion. I have some kind of pointed questions for you that we like to end with that are uh, designed to kind of give some takeaways. And so the first thing I want to ask you is if you had to go back in time in a time machine, encounter yourself, let's say maybe a few months before you decided to really get serious with dessert and discussion, what advice would you give yourself? I would say it would be, you can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm a success magazine reader. I am a personal development 
junkie. Like I, I'm all about that life, right? So I've always been a lifelong learner. That's always been important. And so I always like admired the stories of people who like have these like, you know, nothing to something kind of stories. Right, riches, yeah. And always, and almost missed the fact that I too was creating the exact same story. Hmm. Again, because you, you oftentimes or people often discount what they bring while giving way too much credit to the abilities of others. And so that would be the thing for me. And I even said so much that I say that it should have because every step I believe on a journey is a part of the journey. And so while some people took a night to figure it out, you know, it took me a a while to perfect it and to understand it. But the big part was understanding that I could do it. Like if anybody has done anything that you've recognized, you too can do it. Because if you recognize it, it means you also have it within you. You can do it. You can do it. What book? And or resource would you recommend our listeners to check out? So I believe that everything comes back to you. As you go, everything goes. I have several really great books. So you'll hear me like, if I do this on a different show, it'll be, I'll have a different favorite book. But for this moment, one of my favorite books that I think is really powerful, I'll give you two. One is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. Because it gives you a way to think through what you want, where you're going, and how you're going to show up. And then the other one is The Alchemist. Classic book right there. Both classics and and classics for a reason, right? Because they actually transfer into very valuable. And it's one of those books that no matter how many times I I'll read them, mm-hmm. I get a different story. <laughs> and it's not because the book has changed; it's because you have changed. Yeah. Any other resources? Of course, you want to check out the War on Love game that's going to drop very soon. Listeners. Definitely check out the War on Love game. I am a fan of the Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. I am like, I mean, I like totally love, love, love that work. Um, that has been really instrumental for me. You know, the other thing, believe it or not, is like Myers Briggs. Anything that gives you insight into who you are will help in relationships. Period, because you know who you are. You know, I tell people in any relationship, you are 100% a part of it. (laughs) Right. And so the better you understand the 100% you bring, then it gives you opportunity, one, to share it with the other 100% that you're in a relationship with, and then know whether or not you're getting what you need. So the five love languages, really, really, really big one. Love and respect is another one that I'm reading now. And so it's geared toward married people. But I think if you read it as a single person, then you're ahead of the curve. But it really is just talking about the, the idea that men crave and desire unconditional respect mm-hmm. and women crave and desire unconditional love. And sometimes we use the same words, but we're meaning two very different things. Right. It talks through that in a way that I hadn't seen any work do in a long time. So I thought it was, I think it's fascinating. Thanks for those. Check those out listeners. Those are some great ones. And those relationship books, like you already kind of made clear, isn't always about marriage or single, but there are different insights that you can get not only about others, but about yourself of just really sharpen you as an individual. So as your relationship with yourself becomes more solid, then your relationship with others become more solid because that's just the way it works. This has been a great conversation. I knew you would not disappoint. I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. If you can go ahead, you already told us the website, but if you can again, give our listeners information on how to stay in touch with you, how to find out when the game drops, how to just keep in touch with the work you're doing with dessert and discussion. And then lastly, if you would leave us with one of your favorite quotes. Sounds great. Again, thank you, first of all, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Nesby, as a lifetime member of Nesby, I am incredibly excited to be able to share in this way, in this space. Like I said, Nesby has given me so much. So anything and every chance I get to give back to Nesby, I am honored. So thank you for having me. 
Um, you can keep up with us at dessertanddiscussion.com. That's dessert with two S's. People often spell it as desert, but dessertanddiscussion.com. All the information will be there. You can follow me on Facebook at Dessert and Discussion, Instagram at Dessert and Discussion, and then I'm on Twitter at the Alex Merritt. So you can keep up with me on any of those platforms. Would love to hear from you. Any thoughts you've had about what you've heard on this segment? And if I had a favorite quote, I'm also a quote person. You keep asking me for like one thing. I have, I like a lot of these, but if I had to say one quote, that's one of my favorites. I'll give you one personal and one about love. How about that? Because these are my two worlds. But one is everything's always impossible until it works by Hunt Green. And the second one would be by the Persian poet Rumi, who says, your task is not to seek for love but to seek within and remove all the barriers you've built against it. I mean, I, I can relate when it comes to picking one of something. I, too, have a hard time with that. But I can say that what you just left us with definitely will do the job. And so thank you so much for providing that. Thank you so much for providing all of your insight on relationships. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Alex, I'm excited about what's going to continue to come of dessert and discussion. And actually, I look forward to be a part of it one day. Absolutely. Follow us at DessertDiscussion.com. We'll, you can see where we'll be in the city in a year. Awesome. Well, you take care. You do the same. Again, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we would love for you to come and join us again next time. In the meantime, please do us a couple of favors. One, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other platform you might find us on. And two, rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show. And finally, spread the word. Tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the Nesbypreneur Podcast.